0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you.
1: We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond.
0: All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 208, and it is titled, How to Stop Self-Sabotaging Your Love Life. Okay, before we get started on the show, I just have to tell you how ironic this episode is because we were supposed to have a special guest on to help talk about this subject. However, this particular guest self-sabotaged herself three times by canceling multiple times on us for a variety of different excuses, and she's not here. And it's funny because... Self-sabotaging is something that we see in the work that we do all the time. But we usually see it with our clients. But sometimes we do see it with other people in other parts of the business, whether it's you know somebody that wants to come on the show here or somebody that we're doing business with in some other fashion. We see these patterns of self-sabotage over and over and over again. So today We're really specifically going to be talking about, you know, self-sabotaging your love life, but this information will apply no matter what area of your life you are self-sabotaging. So all of that is really about self-sabotaging patterns, and then, of course, we'll give examples as we go about how people tend to do this in their relationships, why it's a problem, what you can do about it, how to recognize it, how you can fix it. I can almost guarantee you that there's a significant number of people listening to this right now who are currently actively involved in self-sabotaging their relationship, and they are not aware of it. So if that's you, make sure that you listen. Do not tune out because you think, oh, I don't do that. Listen to the whole thing and then decide whether or not you tend to do these things, because I'm willing to bet you do.
1: (laughs) You know, how do you know if you are self-sabotaging? If... You are currently in a relationship and you're not really happy, and there's things you want to change, and you complain about things. You're probably having a pattern of self sabotaging, or you or your partner. And it's a sneaky one because we self sabotage all the time. And we'll talk why, we'll talk about it why. But we're usually not really aware of that. That's the tricky part. Oh,
0: the awareness thing. I, I can't even tell you. How many people we've sat there and go, wow, that is some massive self-sabotage, and they're completely oblivious. In a few cases, I mean, you know, obviously when we're working with clients, we have to point it out. But even with friends, in a few cases, you're like, "Eh, you know, do I really want to go there with this person? Like, I want to help them because they're a friend, but you know how it is when you're a coach. You don't want to end up coaching all your friends because they just get annoyed with you. But we've had to point it out a few times, and they were like, What? Huh? What do you, I don't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power & Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and & Mastery and powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So make sure you go check it out.
0: All right, so first got to start by explaining what we mean by self-sabotage. That's a
1: good place to start.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, it it may seem surprising that some people undermine their own good um, and they undermine their own intentions and their goals. Uh, And that's basically what we're talking about here is when people do things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that undermine what it is they say they really want.
1: You know, you see it very well come January 1st. Everybody (laughs) sets their good intention for the new year and all their resolutions. And they're like, this is it. I am no longer eating cookies. I am exercising three times a week. Or I am getting the relationship I want. Whatever it is they want. It usually lasts about three weeks. And then they're back.
0: You know... I used to work in the health and fitness industry for a number of years, including managing a health club and managing, well, the whole club really, but part of as part of that, the personal training department. And I can honestly tell you that January and February would be insane, off the charts, busy, fantastic sales, not, not only for memberships, but for personal training services and once february was done it would implode i would say january by far the busiest most people didn't even make it past january but you know like you'd see the gym you, you couldn't even get on a piece of machinery in january by february it was busy but it was already better and by march it was back to normal
1: <laughs> <laughs> so why do we self sabotage and why would we hinder our own success because don't we just want what's best for us Well, (laughs) we do, and sometimes we don't. It's usually unconscious. So sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious, and we commit those acts of self sabotage. Sometimes it comes from childhood, Um, it could be pre year relationships. And it could be low self-esteem, it could be uh, problems with cognitive dissonance. Where oh, that's a
0: big one these days.
1: <laughs> Truth bomb! You say one <sighs> thing and then you do another thing and you don't really understand that you're not in alignment. But what's really fascinating, though, about that is that it's usually something that those pattern. Happen because of neurological changing changes and wiring in our brain.
0: But d- yeah, we'll talk more about that. Don't get caught into thinking. Well, of course, that's just my brain is rewired wrong. The reason your brain is rewired wrong is because you've wired it that way.
1: Yeah. Well, you had either something happen to you or an experience that created an emotion, an emotion that was strong enough that you decided that you wanted to stay safe. In order to stay safe, you needed to do a certain behavior because the unknown is unsafe. So you'd rather stay safe, stay in what you know, even if it sucks, rather than step outside because it is unknown, and you don't know what to expect. And this neurological wiring of the brain, you can go and analyze it from the same point of view that you've created it. You can go to therapy and you can, you know, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling angry, and you're going to analyze what's wrong with me, and I'm going to look at this. The more you do that, the worse your brain becomes. You actually have to step out of the energy and the emotion that created it. And you have to have an emotion that is equal to the energy of that emotion, but that's the opposite in order to create a positive change.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what are we really saying here is that if you keep firing the same emotions, you are increasing, like, think of it as strands of a wire, right? You, the first time you fire that emotion, you create one strand and the next time another strand. And the next thing you know, you have one of those giant cables that hold bridges up. Like that's how thick and solid that connection is, right? So really just repetition, repetition, repetition of a negative pattern basically cuts that deep groove into your brain and keeps you doing the same thing. Now, <clears throat> okay, having said all of that, Let's get back to self-sabotaging patterns in relationships. So we have some common patterns uh, that you can look for. And then after that, we have how you can recognize that you are actually self-sabotaging. So they're similar, yet they're different, right? That's why I'm introducing them both at the same time, right? So there are some common patterns in your relationship that you can look for. But there are also some things that aren't necessarily relationship-related that are also clues that you tend to self-sabotage.
1: So criticizing is a big self-sabotage. You know, what's interesting about criticizing, and I'm going to put maybe the first three together, is this criticizing, blaming, and gaslighting. When you think about these behaviors, you're trying to get something from the other person when you are doing those. Now, it's not a healthy way to get energy from the person, but that's all you know. So you know that if you poke at the person, if you criticize, if you blame, if you gaslight, you're going to get a reaction from that person. Now, usually in a relationship, we manage to match ourselves with somebody that is perfectly suited to respond to our buttons and our (laughs) hotspots. And so that usually means that if you're pushing, if you're poking, the other person is going to react a certain way. And you are into this codependent relationship and reactionary uh, behavior that self-sabotages.
0: Yeah, so people might be wondering, how is this really self-sabotaging, right? Well, because you want a certain outcome, Right. And you think that by criticizing, blaming, and gaslighting, you're going to get that person to achieve that outcome.
1: So you However, didn't pick up your socks. You're such a, such a like lazy person, and you left them on the floor.
0: Right, so that that criticism there is intended, supposedly, to get the person to pick up the socks. <laughs> the problem is, is all the other person gets on the other side is, Fucking bitch. I'm gonna not only am I gonna leave my socks, I'm gonna leave three pairs of socks there because you know what? Fuck her. <laughs> right? This is what tends to happen. So here you go, criticizing, blaming, gaslighting, trying to create a certain response in the person, and you often end up cre- creating the opposite response that you're trying to create.
1: I don't know about you, but criticism has never, ever created change for me, positive into a relationship. Well, it doesn't create change for anybody. No, but that's usually the model we have, because if you think about it, that's how your parents behaved with you. They didn't tell you how... Well, that's really funny, because we have a young nephew, and he he just turned one years old, and I'm witnessing my brother and his um, girlfriend, like, raising this child, and... They are amazing. They're like constantly saying, he's so cute, he's adorable. And they send us photos and they constantly praising him and saying all these really positive, beautiful things. And I was like laughing about this because I think it's amazing. But I'm waiting for the moment when this is going to change. Because usually that's how we are when we are children, like super young. And people are like, oh my gosh. You took one step and you fell on your butt. Good job. You know, and they're like, this is amazing. There comes a time in life where, like, what? You only took one step. You didn't even try for two steps. I can't believe I didn't raise you better.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, so the, there is an old school way of teaching that is based on criticism, which is you just pick out all the things that the student is doing wrong over and over and over again. And that's supposed to motivate them to do it right. You really see this in traditional martial arts. It's, uh, you know, I, I like to talk about things that I have experience in, right? And I trained under traditional martial arts for many years. And this is the way that they traditionally teach. You could train for five years. And the only way you ever knew that you did something right was they just didn't say anything at all. Right. So you get constantly, no, wrong. No, that's (laughs) wrong. No, no, do it this way. Wrong. Right. And then one day you do it and they just don't say anything. And you're like, yes, I think, I think I did it right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They didn't tell me. But so it's an old school way of doing things, which is focusing on the criticism. Of course, we've done research on this and we found that people are far more motivated by positivity than they are by negativity. Shocking! (laughs) You mean if you tell a student he did something right and he did a good job, he'll be more motivated to reproduce it than if you constantly criticize him?
1: Same with your partner, same Same with your child.
0: Exact thing with your partner.
1: Mm -hmm. Other behaviors are over talking.
0: Oh, one of my biggest pet peeves, over talking, not just in relationships, but in business meetings too. I am (laughs) I'm on the board of two nonprofits, uh, totally volunteer, by the way. And (laughs) there's one of them where they constantly talk over each other. It is the most frustrating thing. You have 15 people on a board and they're constantly talking over each other. You want to strangle them. At one point, I said, look like i'm gonna get a talking stick and you don't open your damn mouth unless you're holding that stick <laughs> man that one is rough
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about ghosting ghosting is really the, kind of the silent treatments especially in a relationship because that's how that's how i see ghosting yeah yes yeah,
0: yeah, uh, when you're when you're physically proximate to somebody <laughs> ghosting is considered the silent treatment <laughs> When you're, when you're distant, it's called, I'm ignoring your text messages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Another one is infidelity. That's a huge self-sabotage one because you know that going in, you know that this is not the right thing to do.
0: Well, the problem with this one is, is that something's not right in your relationship. Yes. But rather than try to fix it, you just go into the infidelity part, which one, not only doesn't fix the problem... But if anybody starts to get a clue that there has been infidelity, you're going to make that problem a hundred times worse, Mm -hmm. right? So that's majorly self-sabotaging.
1: Number one is if you experience addictive compulsive behaviors in a relationship that can show up with uh, porn, that can show up with a certain type of sex or fantasies, it could show up with... I mean, it could show up with food and and gambling and things like that. But really in the relationship, the way I've seen it with couples that we've worked with is usually around the realm of particular fantasies, behavior or porn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the porn is a tough one because, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to use porn to get in the mood or, you know, to spice things up, but compulsive and excessive use of the porn actually starts to create problems because then suddenly real life is not as exciting as the porn, then guys start having trouble getting aroused, then they start having trouble maintaining erections, Uh, they will often masturbate very quickly to porn, which will then lead them to be premature ejaculators, all of those things will then negatively affect the relationship. And so you can see how that can be a self-sabotage. And you
1: know, what's interesting too is that there's been many studies um, and different people talk about how um, when you do consume porn regularly, it can um, change a bit your brain and your dopamine receptors. In that, again, self-sabotage we've been talking about has something to do with your neurological wiring, so anything that is starting to change your neurochemistry, how you behave, the hormones, the neurotransmitters, and all of these good things.
0: Yeah. So in this case, it's changing them in a, in a negative way. And that's, that's the problem with pretty much all of these patterns that we're talking about.
1: <laughs> and let's talk about the few other ones that you could patterns, you know, have in your relationship. Codependency is a big one. Jealousy, projected jealousy is huge too. It stems from insecurity, low self-esteem, and then withholding sex and touch. And this is huge for relationship because if you are in a monogamous relationship that you've committed that you were only going to be with one another, and then you are taking away something from your partner that they cannot get anywhere else, that is not going to work well in the long run.
0: Yeah, so all of these things that we've talked about are patterns that we tend to see with couples that create the opposite outcome of what they want. Because every couple will tell you, I want more connection, more love, more sex, you know, just a better relationship all around. And yet you watch them do these patterns over and over again, and every one of these patterns creates the opposite thing that they say they're trying to get. And so that's why it's important to know what some of these patterns are. And these, by the way, are not the only patterns. There are more. These were just the ones that came to the top of our head as we were sitting here thinking about common patterns that we see when we work with clients.
1: And I want to point out that if you think the solution is just to change partner... (laughs) You're wrong because...
0: (laughs) Wherever you go, there There you you are. The
1: behavior is the same. So unless you change yourself, your behavior, your self-esteem, and all of these things, which we'll talk in just a few minutes, then nothing else is going to change. You're just going to recreate the same thing.
0: Yeah. And you know what's so, so, I don't know, I guess I want to say hysterical about this, is when you work, when you do coaching, right, and you're working with somebody and you start to hear what's going on in their relationship. Once you start to get a sense that this might be a pattern that that they're repeating, then you start to dig a little deeper and then you start asking questions about past relationships. And then more details come out and more details come out. And, And what is absolutely hysterical sometimes is like, you see it almost instantly, you know what's happening. And then you ask them these questions and they're like, you know, I didn't even realize that I did the same thing in that one too. Well, it's just so funny that people don't recognize it. It's that whole, you know, wherever you are, there you go. In other words, if this is a pattern that you are doing in your relationship, you likely did that same pattern in previous relationships. However, almost nobody ever says, yeah, I know it's a pattern. I did it in my last relationship. You're like, nobody says that, right? <laughs> they all go... Oh, well, now that you point it out to me, I see it.
1: (laughs) And that's when things can start to change. But before we go into how to start changing this, let's just look at recognizing if you are self-sabotaging. So we gave you some behaviors earlier, but here they're more like things, then they're more subtle because, you know, you may not be self-sabotaging in your relationship, but maybe you're self-sabotaging in your relationship with money. Maybe you're self-sabotaging in your work. It's all about relationship. It's a relationship with work, with money, with your partner. But there might be areas where you do it better than others.
0: Yeah. So this list, you know, it's funny. I sat down to write this list and I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like, we see so many of these, you know. And then like I thought of a couple of them and then I was like, ah, oh, I just started drawing a blank. I'm like, why am I not remembering these? So then I did a little research And as soon as I saw like everything that's on this list, it was just like, oh my God, like all these examples of people I know just started flooding into my head. Like, oh my God, yeah, remember so-and-so? He was doing that. And remember her? She does this one on a regular. And it was just like, oh my God. Yeah, so these are huge and they are absolutely real. I have seen them so many times.
1: Number one, self-doubt that repeatedly gets in the way. I think the self-doubt usually comes from the not being good enough not believing in yourself. And so, um, that's definitely a pattern of self-sabotage.
0: Yeah. So, so how does, how does, uh, self-doubt get in there? Well, self-doubt gets in there when somebody says like, you, you know, we'll just take something outside of relationship, but actually, you know what, let's take something inside of relationship. <clears throat> you know, you start communicating with somebody on online dating and you're really excited about it. And then you start going, well, You know, she would she couldn't like a guy like me. I was looking through her photos and all her guys are more buff than I am or younger than I am. Or nah, she, you know what? You know what? I'm not even going to message her back. Boom, right there. Self-doubt getting in the way and causing you to self-sabotage. What potentially could have been a great connection.
1: Number two, you focus too much on the negative. Most people are wired 80% negative, 20% positive. Happy people have that measure reversed, 20% negative and 80% positive. Now, are happy people, were they born that way? Or is it by choice and by repeated behaviors that they became that way? I think it's number two, but... Well,
0: Well, it is because here's what science tells us. All right. So if you're one of those people, like if you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, you're right. I do tend to focus on the negative. Shit. Why do I do that? Nature. Nature is why you do that, because we are literally wired to figure out what is going on that's wrong out of self-survival. That's why we do it. If we're looking out across the plains, right, and we see beautiful, you know, fields of grasses and, and a beautiful lake and, oh great, there's fresh water and I'm thirsty, that's what I need, but then there's a lion there, The only thing you focus on is the lion, because you're like, oh, crap, there's a lion. If I try to get water, I'm going to get eaten. Like, we are wired to pick out the things that are negative. Now, are we a victim of that? Absolutely not, because as we know, 20% of people have figured out how to reverse it, and we can reverse it.
1: Okay, number three, you frequently procrastinate. Ooh, I see that one a lot, working with clients, so... They want to have a change and they hire one of us or both of us to work with them. And through the process of coaching, they receive different um, home play assignments, homework, things to do, you know, to create change. And sometimes, and, you know, they, we try, we call them home play because they're usually fun. I mean, how often do you get. An assignment to masturbate
0: right right? go go play with yourself and have a great orgasm i mean how hard is that well (laughs)
1: believe it or not we've had several clients where it took multiple weeks and several coaching sessions before they finally decided to get into it and do it and then they're like oh i learned so much from the experience you're like yes this is why This yeah. is why we are coaching you and telling you to do this. You,
0: you, you see this in a lot. I mean, I, if there are any therapists listening, I'm sure you see this all the time too, right? You, you give fantastic advice to somebody and say, here's a new thing that you need to start doing. And they come back week after week after week and you check in with them. How's it going? Oh, well, I, I was going to do it, but then, you know, I, th- this thing came up and then that thing came up, but I'm going to get to it, Right procrastination in relationships that shows up in all kinds of ways, like not doing the work that you need to do, whether it's doing the work your coaches give you or other types of things. It could be not having the conversations that you know you need to have in your relationship. You know something's wrong, you know you need to talk about it, but you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, right? Fixing those physical things that are going wrong with your body, you know you need to do it, but you keep putting it off, right? So procrastination is huge.
1: Number four, you're always disorganized. And disorganization can prevent you from getting anywhere.
0: Yeah, you know, here's the interesting thing about disorganization is, okay, obviously if you're disorganized, it's really hard to achieve any sort of goal that you've put out, right? Right. But the thing about being disorganized is it's easy to fix. It's really easy to fix. Even if you're terrible at organizing things, because some people are like really great at organizing things. Like you, you put somebody who does like professional organizing, you know, in your mess of a room or closet for a day and you come back and you're like, holy crap, like this is amazing, right? How did you do that? So it's, it's, The thing is, even if you're not that person and you're not good at it, you can always hire people to simply organize things for you. You know, if you've ever run a business on your own, you know how important systems are. You have to have systems in place. You cannot run a successful business without having systems. Like, here's how we do things A, B, C, D. Rather than trying to recreate the wheel every time you have to do the same task, you never get anywhere, right? So, What's interesting is, is that people often use being disorganized as an excuse for why they're not getting the things done in their relationship or in their life that they need to get done. Because, like, wow, I was going to do that, but then I couldn't find the thing and then the whatever. This is the easiest one probably of all of these. If you don't know how to get organized, just hire somebody to help you organize your life. Or done. go
1: on YouTube and watch the shows if you can't afford to hire somebody. right. There's lots of inspiration. I love those shows. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, you think you are a fraud. Ooh.
0: Yeah, this one, this one is, um, it's similar to the self-doubt thing, Mm -hmm. but it just shows up a little bit differently. You'll often see people like, I can't keep this up in relationship. I'm not really that person I pretended to be. And you just find ways to bow out and not show up the way you should be showing up. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, if you went out there and you really represented yourself as somebody other than who you are, then maybe you are a fraud. <laughs> but other than that, if, if you didn't do that, uh, then most likely... You're just
1: a human being.
0: Yeah. And, and it's just self-doubt creeping in again.
1: Yeah. Oh, this one is really huge. Number six, you're always making excuses even though this may seem real, you couldn't do this because your boss said that, or you tried to get to the appointment, but your car broke down, or it was time for your coaching and, well, you decided to not send your son to summer's camp because he was a little tired. So then you can't show up for your session. I mean...
0: Here's here's the thing that gets me about this one. So I, I had to write, even though they seem real, because every time this happens, the person will swear up and down to you that every one of these excuses are real things that happened. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, they aren't. Sometimes they aren't. They're really just made up bullshit. But sometimes they really are real things. And so the person gets stuck in this trap of thinking, but they're real things. Like, how could I have avoided that, right? Well, here you go. Yeah, the car broke down. That was a real thing. But why did the car break down? The car broke down because you procrastinated. You knew there was something wrong with it. You could hear the grinding, clicking, banging, whatever it is, noise. And you didn't take it to the mechanic for the last four weeks, even though you knew something was wrong with it. Why didn't you do that, right? And that's just one example is people think, but it's a real thing. My so-and-so really did do this, or this really happened, or blah, blah, blah. Okay, but what did you do to create those other situations? And that's the thing is people will literally self-sabotage their car as a way of self-sabotaging getting to that date on time, right?
1: But it's not their fault.
0: But it's not their fault. But, the, but you can see how you get layers of self-sabotage, mm-hmm. right? I self-sabotage the car... Which self-sabotaged the date, which self-sabotaged a potential relationship, which then self-sabotaged my happiness in the future, right? Like, you can see how this can get way out of hand. It's like dominoes. You self-sabotage in one area, boom, a whole bunch of dominoes fall over.
1: Another uh, behavior is that you're focusing on the wrong tasks.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know an example I'm thinking of with this one, right? <laughs> So, yeah, it was just, we've, we've watched so many friends over the years start businesses. <laughs> and one of them in particular was starting a new business. And, you know, it takes a lot when you start a new business. Like, it uh, started a few, not just this one here, but a few. And it takes a lot of work. And there are things that you know that you need to do that will absolutely produce results and returns.
1: Your logo, right?
0: No, and that getting is... Getting
1: mugs and t-shirts that, with your branding name.
0: <laughs> right. So that's the joke is, right? Like what you need to be focusing on is setting up your business entity, creating your product, you know, your curriculum or whatever it is, getting your website, your advertising, you know, like whatever it is, like, like, you know, creating um, uh, like B2B connections with other businesses, like all this kind of stuff. But instead, what do we watch so many people do? Spend weeks agonizing over a logo. A freaking logo. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about your logo. Like, your logo only matters when you finally reach, like, Coca-Cola company status, right? Like, otherwise, when you're a small business, nobody gives a shit about your logo, right? Have (laughs) one, sure. Pay somebody 20 bucks to create you a decent one and go and forget about it, you know?
1: And it's the same in relationship, you know? Are you focusing on the dishes in the sink? Are you focusing on who didn't... Or who is mowing the lawn? I mean, so many things. Or are you focusing on the things that bring you closer together, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. You're focusing on the wrong tasks a lot of times. But why are you doing that? Because you're avoiding the right tasks. Because all those other things that I named in business or in your relationship are hard. They're hard and they take a lot of work and you'd rather sit there and dick around with pictures and mugs, right? Because it's easy and it's fun and you're avoiding doing the real work.
1: (laughs) Okay, another uh, behavior is that you intentionally create conflicts. I don't think this one needs that much explanation. We've already talked about that. A big one is number nine is comparing yourself to others. And that's huge. Like Kevin mentioned, if you are... On, you know, on the online and you're comparing to other people that are in the photos that you're not good enough, or you're constantly looking at other people around how they're doing their relationship. And you're not looking for inspiration, but you're looking for like ways to beat yourself up. And that's not going to help you.
0: You know, the, the, the thing is, there's always going to... You've probably heard this before, right? But there's always going to be somebody smarter than you, better looking than you, you know, faster than you, stronger than you, taller than you, whatever. Like there's always people that are somehow better than you in some way, right? And so the, the trap that people get into is they start comparing themselves to others. And when you do that, you can always find somebody better, which means you are always somehow not good enough.
1: Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Number 10, you are questioning if this is the right thing for you. This is huge in relationship, and we've seen it so many times. People are not fully in. And they have one foot in, one foot out, and they're still looking, even though they're saying they're in and they're committed. And at the same time, they're still questioning, is this the right thing? Should I do it this way? Or then they're in perpetual questioning, and they never move forward because they're still wondering. I'm not getting the clear answer. I don't know, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Should I buy this car? Shall I do this computer? Shall I do that?
0: Yeah, you see this all the time. It's like somebody starts, bu- i to use the business thing again. Somebody starts building a business, they spend months working on it and then they're like, I'm not sure if this is really what I want to be doing. And then they switch. Now look, you might after putting in a bunch of work realize this isn't the business for you. That's totally valid and acceptable and then you move on the problem is is when you start to see that somebody's done this two three four five times you start going okay look look this has nothing to do with what you're choosing you're just sabotaging yourself over and over again because you don't really want to be successful in business for whatever reason you feel that you're not worthy of it or you know you're afraid of doing the work or whatever it is
1: And we all have that to some degrees, by the way. I mean, not many people, unless they've done the work, have overcome that. So uh, don't beat yourself up. And last but not least is perfectionism.
0: This is a sneaky one. We have seen this one a lot too. And perfectionists never realize they're self-sabotaging. They always think, no, I'm almost there. I'm really going to do this. I just have to make it a little bit better before. Before I release it, before I build it, before I put it out there, before I, you know, approach her or before we get married or, you know, whatever it is, you're constantly trying to make things perfect. There is nothing perfect, literally nothing perfect in this world. Nature is actually not perfect. I mean, if you look at the Fibonacci sequence and you compare that to the golden mean, the golden mean is perfect. The Fibonacci sequence is an approximation of perfect. Well, which one does nature use? The approximation of perfect. You can see so many representations in nature of things that are almost the exact proportions to the golden mean, but never quite exact. Nothing is perfect. If you wait for something to be perfect before you act, you will never act.
1: Whew. All right, I can't wait to talk about what can you do now to stop sabotaging and the first steps to get started. But before we do that, we have a special invite for you. If you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, and you're tired of stale, mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum Programme. If you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to seleneremy.com forward slash passion to learn more about this program. So what can you do to stop self-sabotaging? So number one, you must start by acknowledging that to self-sabotage. We spent a long time of this show giving you examples Behaviors, ways to understand, because without awareness, you cannot change it. You have to see the unseen.
0: Yeah, and this is this is the number one problem that we see is that most the overwhelming majority of people that are self-sabotaging, I would say 99% of them are completely unaware they're doing it.
1: Number two, you have to identify the ways in which you tend to self-sabotage. What are you go to? And really also what's behind this. So for me, the biggest thing that I've been working on is I'm not good enough. It's that belief. And so as I've been going through life and looking at things, sometimes it may look like I'm upset about something in particular on the outside. But once I go dig deeper and I go like, but why is this really bothering me? So we can go back to the socks. Why is it really bothering me that these socks are Laying there on the floor, not be put away. Hmm. Well, because it shows the person doesn't doesn't care, you know. Um, and then, okay. Th-
0: this is about my mountain biking socks, isn't it? <laughs> 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 there were two pairs
1: just before I did the laundry.
0: I leave them in the garage by the washer because they're way too dirty to actually put in the hamper. <laughs>
1: And, but, but the bottom line is, you know, you can go down, why is this bothering me? Like asking the question, why, why? And go at least three times deep to start to get to the real answer. Because first we stay too much on the, on the mental.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so, you know, that's actually step number five, but, but we'll get there. (laughs) So just to reiterate, step number two is uh, we gave you a bunch of possible patterns and so try to identify which one or several of those patterns that you do, which then leads to step number three, which is to employ strategies such as maybe an accountability partner to prevent you from self-sabotaging. So once you know what those, those patterns are that you tend to do, put systems in place to help you stop doing them or prevent them from happening. And
1: maybe just, you know, pick one or two. Don't go for 15 because it's gonna be overwhelming and you start going to with fail.
0: one. start with your biggest one, the one that shows up most often.
1: Yes. You can ask friends to call out you know to call you out when they witness you doing it or you can ask your partner, you know but maybe you could also have a loving way to mention that because usually being called out on your pattern is triggering.
0: Yeah, that's why it says ask a friend, <laughs> friend, a coach, a therapist, you know whatever whoever you're working with. Um, or just whoever you're close with, somebody who can be really honest with you. Like, you know, know, I'm coaching a client right now who was on a trip with a good friend of his and they were in the car driving back from this trip and and my client was talking, saying something and his friend just looked at him and said, why do you always do that? He just called him right out on his pattern that he had been doing over and over again.
1: Being negative.
0: Yeah, so that in, the, in that particular case, uh my client was saying a bunch of sort of negative things about himself in regards to the trip without seeing just how positive the trip actually was, and so his friend called him out on it. And My response to that was, that's a great friend. That's a good friend. That's a friend that you need to have in your life. Somebody who can be really raw and honest with you and say, "Hey, knock it off. You're 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 doing a pattern here that's that's self-defeating or self-sabotaging."
1: Yeah. So then, that leads us to five, which is to find the underlying reason why you keep doing it. And I mean, I kind of linked it with two because it's a process that you usually do moment to moment. Uh, but that that asking the why and seeking and going deeper and deeper will get to the root cause. I want to share a few things that have helped me and have helped some of our clients to shift. Because remember, at the beginning of the show. I was talking about how you can't change from the same state of mind that created the self-sabotage. So you got to be able to bypass your unconscious and go into your subconscious to rewire things. Not everybody, it's, it's not easy. So you can work with somebody. You can work with a coach. You can work with a hypnotherapist, with somebody who can help you get there. But there are steps you can do. You can meditate to rewire your brain. Find a technique that works for you because when you meditate, you basically learn to let go, you learn to open up, you learn to surrender, you learn to recreate new neural connection, new wires, and that can help you to just show up differently, little by little. Just because you sat once for 20 minutes (laughs) is not going to be enough, okay? You got to give it time. It takes anywhere from six weeks, a hundred days for things to shift, you know. So most people say three weeks, but it's not enough. Yeah. You've got to commit to more. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, so the meditation can obviously rewire your brain. But if you're trying to find the underlying reason, sometimes those reasons don't make themselves apparent until you've really done deep work. And the meditation can actually help you figure out what those underlying reasons are.
1: Another practice is to practice daily gratitude. Remember, we talked about how the wiring in the brain, how people are 80% negative, 20% positive. By doing daily gratitude, you start to shift that balance. You start to look at what am I grateful for? What can I be appreciating for? And that changes your outlook on life. And it's interesting because if gratitude is difficult, the simple act of looking for things that you're grateful for, is going to already start to rewire and change your brain, independently of whether or not you come up with something. But the fact that you are searching and looking for it and trying to make those connections is shifting things in your brain. So it's worth doing, even if it's hard. Another practice, and this is big too, um, and maybe Kevin can talk more about it from um, because you are certified in in NLP Neuro Linguistic programming, this is something that I thought I invented.
0: <laughs> and then
1: I discovered that it was it existed already out there, but is to start to role play and to role play from the different characters of the story and to see all of the different elements. So if you are um, having a hard time forgiving something, It could be yourself, forgiving somebody, a parent who did a really nasty behavior. You're never doing forgiveness for others. You're always doing it for yourself, to liberate yourself. And when you start to role play and see it from all the different angles, you can start to have more awareness, understanding, and it can help you to liberate yourself. Now, remember that you never, um, with the act of forgiveness whether it is forgiving yourself or someone who has wronged you, we never suggest that you are not condoning the behavior. Okay. This is different. There's the behavior and there's the person. So you can not be satisfied with the behavior, but you can forgive the person.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned the NLP thing. So like role-playing can, can do two things. If you role-play from the point of view of different people involved in the situation and you put yourself on the other side, you may actually then be able to have compassion for who they are, what they're going through, and why they behave the way that they did. So that's that's one value from it. From the NLP perspective, role-play is a little bit different in a sense that we want to reinforce the changes in the pathways, right? So like, you know, we do a certain behavior and then we role-play a different behavior. And by role-playing that different behavior, we are then creating new neuropathways for the new behavior. So we're rewiring the brain by doing that. You know, you, you hear people say it all the time. They're like, just fake it till you make it, right? And and that's a version <laughs> of it. It's not quite the same because you really have to tap into the emotions of it. You have to really feel the deep feelings of it. and You, you can't just lie to yourself and know you're lying to yourself because that doesn't really work. But <laughs> But you get the idea like... I think that helps you understand what we mean by role-play, which is really stepping into what you want to be or who you want to be and reinforcing that over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. And the brain doesn't know the difference between an imagined scenario and something happening in real life. So my favorite is literally to rehearse a behavior so many times in my head that I no longer remember whether or not I really did it or if it's just been in my head, but it's becoming part of who I am. Yeah. And this is really huge.
0: All right. Last one on that list we kind of already mentioned, which was just work with a coach or a therapist. So, you know, this was, you know, how the the whole point of this section was what can you do to stop self-sabotaging? So we give you a bunch of things you can do on your own. And if you need help with that, work with somebody like us. You can work with a therapist. Work with a good therapist, though. There's a lot of really crappy therapists out (laughs) there. There are some really amazing people out there. And there's a whole bunch of just really crappy ones. It's like George Carlin once said about kids. Kids are like any other segment of the population. A few winners and a whole lot of losers. That's true. You know, it's like you've heard, what do you call the doctor who graduated last in his class? (laughs) A doctor. Doctor, right? There's good ones and bad ones. So find yourself a good one.
1: There is one trap to avoid. And we're just going to address that as we are winding down today's show, is how do you avoid the trap of guilt and shame once you've discovered that you're self-sabotaging? And this is a really big step that you need to be able to take. And in short, it's a word called self-forgiveness. But we're going to give you a little more than that. It's
0: technically two words hyphenated, but well, yes. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so self-forgiveness, really. like, And so we, we actually have uh, a four-step process for doing that. And the first one is... Accepting responsibility. So really, the first step to self-forgiveness is you have to take responsibility for whatever it is that you have done, whatever pattern mm-hmm. you've been doing over and over again. Sounds simple, right? Oh Man, this is so hard for most people to do. They do not want to own their shit. They will come <laughs> up with every excuse in the book, blame it on every person they've ever met, or sometimes they even blame it on people that they haven't met. Well, it's because the president said whatever or the Supreme Court did whatever. That's why I'm doing this. No, you're doing that because you did it. You did it. Take responsibility for it. So um, you just have to accept responsibility. That's number one.
1: Number two, you got to express any remorse. Give yourself permission to process. Um, You know, sometimes it's not possible to go back in time And and talk to a person uh, who might be dead or not be around anymore. You don't need to have them around. You can write a letter and burn it. You can do this energetically with the intention. I do that a lot more because most of the time, this process is really all about you. The other person doesn't really need it. Sometimes it can help and it could repair a relationship, and we'll talk about this in step three, but most of the time, it's really just to liberate yourself. So, You know, simple. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, there's a practice called Ohoponopono, and it's a Hawaiian prayer. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. You repeat that. There's a song to it. There's plenty of people teaching that, but it's a beautiful prayer to help you Just let go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you accept responsibility. You express your remorse for the situation. You understand that it was wrong or Mm -hmm. that you could have done better or whatever it is. Number three is repair damage and rebuild trust. So once you've done the first two things, then you just got to go out there and fix it as best you can. Not everything can be fixed. Not everything will be mended perfectly the way it was before, but you do the best you can.
1: And number four, you focus on renewal. Look at how this mistake has made you a better person. There what is a can point you
0: Learn from it.:
1: Exactly. There is a point in life where you have to move on. You can no longer keep beating yourself up for a mistake you've done 25 years ago. This is part of what self-forgiveness is all about. It's being like, I did the best I could with the tools I had, but at this point, now I'm choosing. To live life fully. And this is a way of celebrating who you are and not keeping yourself trapped in self-sabotaging.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That is our show on self so I can't even believe it's taken us this long to do a show on this because this is something we have been witnessing for years yes. in our work. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine. I <laughs> I can't even believe we haven't done this before. I I want to thank the person who self-sabotaged themselves right out of this show for bringing this to our attention and getting us to actually do a show on it. But uh, there you go. That is how to recognize if you're self-sabotaging, how to break those patterns, how to create new patterns, how to avoid the trap of guilt, which really comes back to...
1: Self-forgiveness.
0: Self-forgiveness. So there you go, everybody. Uh, Really really think about this and get honest with yourself because you will most likely find some area in your life where you're doing one of these things to some extent and that's okay have self-forgiveness but fix it and move on
1: i'm very big on writing things down so grab a pen paper and dig deep
0: all right everybody that's all the time we have for this episode and we will see you next week